Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do. Welcome to this episode of this podcast with Psychology Cast. My name is Jalal, a PhD student, background in psychology, as you all know. Um, and today I'm joined by a an excellent guest um, who's going to give lots of insight into her work. Her name is Hannah. She's from University of Glasgow. How are you, Hannah? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well. Thank you so much for taking part in this podcast. I know, um, you know, being a PhD student is always, um, you know, they just say it's, it's, it's time is time is sometimes not on our side, isn't it? <laughs> Very true. <laughs> so you're from University of Glasgow. Yes, I am. Yeah, I've been there actually since my master's. I did my master's there and then stayed on for my PhD. I wanted to ask before coming to the study, how has it been like, you know, for like for lockdown and stuff in Scotland? Because obviously I'm in England, in south of England. How has it been in Scotland? Like how, how has how's the COVID been and the pandemic been for you? Actually, um, so at the moment, so Glasgow has been not doing too hot. <laughs> it's been doing quite bad. So um, we were in a long lockdown, like everybody else, um, March to what was it, June or something. And then summer was fine. We're back in the labs, which was great. And then we've basically been back in like sort of lockdown since October. Um, and we had a really strict one again recently. And since last weekend, cafes are open again. But yeah, it's been quite strict, unfortunately. And what's your view on it? Do you think it's, it's going to be here for some time? like this pandemic until they saw yeah it was the vaccine isn't it yeah I honestly I don't know I, I have hopes by next summer it'll be a little bit um easier so I don't think there'll be like a cheering constant soon or something <laughs> but um I kind of hope that by next summer we could at least like work properly normally again and stuff and at least see our friends and families you know um that'd be amazing but feels like a long time doesn't it it's just so normal now to not be able to do all these things it does. I shouldn't say like, I mean, we're approaching December. I mean, today's day is 15th of December, um, 10 days before Christmas and um, seven days before my Christmas <laughs> deadline for the PhD. <laughs> um, it does. It just feels like this year is just, it has flown by, don't, don't you think? Oh, definitely. Especially when I think back now, I don't know if you have the same, but the whole lockdown period just seems like such a blur. Because it was just so repetitive, you know, you were in your flat and you, or your house and you kind of went from your bedroom to wherever you work in your house and then go back to bed. So, yeah, no, definitely it's flown by. I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like in the next few months, um, pandemic wise. I think you're right. We, none of us know really, isn't it? Everything could, it changes all the time, isn't it? That's the thing, isn't it? There is no sort of like this is what's going to happen and it's not a seasonal thing. I don't know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not here. It's not here for to stay for the summer or for the for the winter. You know. To be fair, I feel like I don't know how about you, but the summer for me seemed pretty normal because you know you could be outside with your friends and you could I don't know see them for barbecues or I think like yeah the summer actually felt quite normal, which made the winter again worse because you just got a bit of a taste of what it could be like again, and then it was like nope, <laughs> not doing that again anymore, which is a shame. That's true. That, that, that is true. I think um, 
I wonder what it would have been like if we had entered this thing in summer. Would we have to go into lockdown in that sense? We we we, we entered it in spring, didn't we? Around yeah. March, April, in that sense. Um, what um, I mean, in terms of like the pandemic, do you think it's teaching us anything? I think so. Yeah. Well, I personally did learn a lot about myself actually because you were just stuck with yourself for so long and you couldn't really distract yourself from anything. So I think a lot of us really had to come to terms with things, which is not necessarily a bad thing. I think it just really makes you stop and kind of slow down a bit and think about things you usually won't have time and room to think about. Um, but I also think sometimes that might not be great. And I think that's why we also need a lot of support at the moment, really, just to deal with ourselves or with like other situations. So I think there's so many people out there who really um, struggle for kind of supply reasons. If your business isn't working, you know, um, I think, yeah. And also it's just a sort of, engaging with our friends and family difference the people we usually see all the time a bit further away so I think we yeah definitely taught us a lot about ourselves in a way and how we handle situations like this it's interesting you say that because you know you're a PhD student um much like myself the whole experience teaches you something doesn't it about yourself like you just said like you know because it tests you it tests you in so many different ways Mm-hmm. it's not just basically a map it's not like going to the cinema you turn up you watch the film and you go home you know there is an interactive thing going on doing the phd um first of all tell us what your phd is about uh, so my phd is about disease stratification so it's a kind of new approach to medicine or not so new anymore that's called precision medicine and what we're trying to do is we look at patients that have inflammatory bowel disease um, and we try to figure out how their immune system is different between the patients. And that is really, really important because currently treatments are there and they're available, but not every treatment works for every patient. So if somebody has really bad inflammation in their tummy, it can actually be life-threatening. And if they get the wrong, the wrong medication at the wrong time, for example, that means that they might need surgery to be able to control their condition. So what we try to do is look at their immune system, their immune cells in their blood and also in their, in their gut and try and figure out which type of inflammation is associated with what type of treatment. Um, so in the end, the idea will be I take your blood and I tell you, you need this medication and you'll be grand. That's kind of the, the, big, the big aim. Don't know if we're going to get there, but um, that's kind of the ideal situation. Well, I mean, uh, you know, thanks so much for sharing that. I, I, I didn't... I don't know too. I, I mean, I'm in the field of psychology, so I don't. I know. I know very little about biology and how human body works. I don't know how, how the human mind works. And um, yeah, I just didn't. I don't know that it could do that. I did. I you know, genuinely speaking, didn't know it could. It could you could tell from that piece of work that is able to tell you stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's been approached in a lot of diseases. So that kind of group of diseases, they're called chronic inflammatory diseases and it's stuff mm. like arthritis for example it's quite like the, the biggest or most famous one I reckon um, and it's just really interesting because we now have the means to actually look at an individual person and you always have a little bit this kind of financial versus um, output so kind of it's, it's a cost effective in the end of the day because we have the means to analyze every single patient in, in a biological sense but we don't have the financial means so our healthcare services just couldn't 
just couldn't um, wing that, which is fine. I mean, you can't expect um, these really costly tests to be done on every patient. But if we already do this in the background and we then know this one test works, something you could really use, for example, in the NHS or wherever other health healthcare service there is, which is really cool. Uh, and and what so how about like um, you you know specific specifically I should say not specifically specifically is an ocean, and someone keeps pointing out to me and I say it so specifically with an S. Um, um, uh, what's the word? Um, yeah, in terms of the research, like what made you go into a PhD then? Like, why do why are you doing a PhD in it? How did how did that first come about? I suppose to give you a bit of context. And what made you do it? Um, so to be honest, I did a master's because I wasn't really sure. So the soil immunology area has finally sort of um, been a part of my kind of biological journey, if you want to call it that way, uh, since my high school. So I did a high school project outside my school um, that we could do to bump our grades a little bit. And I did that in an immunology lab. And I really enjoyed it. And at the time it was the best experiment I've ever done. Super interesting. Now looking back, it was not actually that amazing, but at the time it was spectacular. And I then went away and studied biochemistry and kind of forgotten about it. And then I had a chance to go back into immunology during my undergrad and I really enjoyed it. So I decided, you know what, I think it's so cool and I think it's so fascinating how our immune system defends us. And you have all these millions of cells scooting about our body knowing what to do, knowing how to defend us, I thought it was so cool. So I ended up um, doing my master's at Glasgow uh, because I wasn't sure if I actually wanted to do a PhD because I spoke to PhD students and I realized it's quite it's quite a tough time and it's you really have to want to do it to pull through. And I, was, I didn't really feel like I should just do it on a whim. So anyway, I did my master's and really thought about what I want to do in the future. And I always knew that I would not want to stay in academia that was not really the, the route for me, but I spoke to my supervisors and my mentees or mentors at the time, and they all recommended me to do a PhD because there's kind of a ceiling that you hit at some point in, in science, even if you don't work in academia. And if you want to push through that ceiling, you're going to need a PhD. Um, and then I searched for quite a while for a project and I found this project. And I could really see myself with my supervisor as well um to actually do it for for those three and a half years um and actually the, the main thing for me was first of all the project I really thought the interest like the topic was super interesting I'm very interested in intestinal immunology um because I suffer from um, IBS quite badly so it's quite a personal interest to understand it more and also my supervisor he was my lecturer in my master's and we really got along so I thought both things kind of worked together and that was the basis for me to definitely want to do this project. It was a very lengthy explanation. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I was, but it was great. I was also like, um, I think, yeah, we have to relate to sometimes the topic that we're doing really interested, isn't it? In that sense, mm -hmm. to give us, I don't know, some meaning or some purpose behind why we're doing what we're doing, which is, you know, the tagline for the podcast, if anyone's interested. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I think... That's it's so important. I mean, it's a bit like why am I why am I studying psychology in terms of like um, looking at behavior change because I'm generally interested in making um, changes, um, how best to make changes, and you know, to understand human behavior first before we you know make changes. 
if you're understanding about the immune system and especially even if you think about COVID and if you think about the pandemic, um, the environment is changing, our immune system will change because the whole, our whole, because we are connected to the environment. And if the environment is changing, we're going to change with it. It's how we, I suppose, develop or evolve over time, isn't it? Yeah. And I think we both are sort of in areas and that you, you're definitely going to feel the same, I reckon, is that because I work in translational research, so I work in, with human samples, and you really do, you see the patients that you make an impact for as you talk to the people that you make an impact for, you know? And I think that makes projects like mine and yours very rewarding in a way, um, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do this project as well, because it's, I was not really into mouse research and things like that. That was not really for me. Um, but I'm more going into that direction. No, you know, uh, thank you very much for that. <laughs> what's the word I'm sure was that people might be listening and say, oh, what's, the, what's their research about now? Um, but yeah, absolutely. 2020, very relevant. Um, and I think contribution to knowledge, isn't it? This is what it's, this is what PhD is in that sense, is the contribution to knowledge. So where are you in your PhD? Are you, what year are you in? I just started my third year in September. So I have roughly uh, one and a half years left. Um, yeah. I've left in four, look, two years nearly in total until I'm done. Okay, um, and how is that? How is how has it been so far? Like in terms of, um, do you feel that you know where you're going with this project? Um, you know than you did at the start. Are you have you found anything, um, or have you are you looking at a specific thing which you were you looking at when you first started? The reason why I say that is when I started my one, by as the years progressed, my my things changed by year one, like. It, it kept changing all the time and it was that was very hard to keep up with I didn't know what direction if I'm honest mm -hmm. see uh, to be fair I quite like that so my PhD is the, the title is very broad it's basically looking at differences in immune systems of these patients that is the kind of like translated the main title um which I actually really enjoyed because it gave me a lot of freedom and it still does so whenever I adjust I, I can adjust because it all falls under this big sort of umbrella term which is quite cool um so I don't think the direction changed. I think it just got more specific. So I can tell like every year, um, I don't know if you have to do that too, but every year we have to submit sort of an overview of what you've done um, to some people that look at it and just try and give you a bit of a review and some help, whether you're progressing well, um, all this kind of stuff. And whenever I kind of look at them every year, I'm like, oh yeah, it's just getting a lot more specific. And I feel like for me, the more specific it gets, the more exciting it gets in a way because you're getting closer to actually finding something very relevant and very cool. And when I started off, there was barely a direction, which was really cool and really fascinating and gave me lots of freedom, but was also a bit scary because you kind of sit there and you think, okay, so I have, I have this title and I have this idea and this hypothesis, but where is this actually going to take me? Um, so the first year was for me, the most difficult of my PhD for sure, because you learn techniques, you learn, so much about the topic because you don't you think you know a lot when you start you actually don't and then for me once I was one year in I definitely felt like now I, I know what I need to know and I can from there build more and more and more and, and actually go somewhere and has it do you think it's changed you as a per, um, person actually we're going to come on to that um I want to just ask like 
when did you first start coming across science like when did you thought like mm, I'll be a scientist one day like did you ever think about that I know you said about your masters and you're making your decisions um, but I'm just thinking about when you were younger um, I mean I'm, you're still young um, I mean we're all young right um, I always say that to people you know all the students say, I'm still young you know so let's not let's not let's not have that conversation but um, how was it for you how was it for you like when did you first start um, formulating um, this is what I would I could be or I would like to be a scientist one day because I I, I never thought I'd be a, so, a social scientist or psychologist I didn't think that but I just think when was it for you um, was it in college days high school primary when was those first thoughts just out of interest um mainly i would say high school so i sort of had to make a decision between science and journalism so at the time i want i would have loved to do journalism to be honest but it just made more sense for kind of like job security in a way uh, to go into science and i always thought you know what if i if i study science there's scientific journalism things like that it's not it's not running away it's something i could always do in the future if i wanted um, and then really that project I mentioned earlier, so it sounds stupid because I think it was basically like a week out of my last year in high school where, where I did that project with, with that lab here, here in Hamburg. But I really, really enjoyed it and it just kind of showed me what it could be like, what it's like to do an experiment, what it's like to get results, because it's quite a cool feeling, you know, when you do, yeah. do the thing and you put in work and you get a nice result in the end. And then you write it all up and you put it into scientific context. I did really enjoy that process. So that kind of gave me the notch in that direction. And then I did take a gap year. I did take a year out um, to go traveling and just to kind of like think about what I actually want to do. Um, and I ended up not really changing my mind. Uh, to be honest, I didn't really think about that kind of stuff a lot of my gap year, although I was supposed to. Um, I was more enjoying myself. <laughs> but um, even after I came out of that, my decision hadn't changed. I still wanted to pursue uh, biology. And are you in touch with any of like of your like you know because my ones have left um in school teachers basically like that because it'd be interesting for them to see that isn't it that journey that you've gone on have you are you in touch you in touch with the school are you in touch with some of the school teachers are they aware of your progress or your choices i so i used to be I actually had one teacher who bless her wrote me a recommendation for my bachelor's application and i was in australia at the time and i ringed her out of bed at 2am or something ridiculous because i forgot about the time difference because i panicked because i was really late for my um application deadline for ucas mm. um so she kind of was part of her process but to be honest no we lost touch i think we were gonna have next year or the year after i think it's 10 years we out of high school so I think then we might have kind of like, or hopefully if we can, a bigger celebration um, where we can all get together. Um, but yeah, no, unfortunately not. It would be quite interesting actually just to speak to them to even get their thoughts on what they thought I would do in the end. I think, I don't know if you've ever done that, but I think that would be quite interesting to to hear because they might've been like, what, science hurt now? <laughs> it's, oh, I, I think, yes, you, you should. Uh, you know, my advice would should. I, I, I think just be I, I'm in touch with my former school mm -hmm. um all the teachers have left apart from one mm -hmm. um which there's a there's a there's a bit of a connection there and it's just surreal I mean I gave a talk last year or two years ago um about mental well-being for mm -hmm. students 
start a charity and stuff like that and and we and it was interesting just going back just like never thought I'd come back and be talking about this kind of stuff and then basically if you like last year something happened they they put they um the the students promoted chose our charity as their charity of the year that was amazing. Yeah, it was a big shock. I was thinking, I just got the images on Twitter. That's how I found out about it. And there's a big image of the charity and my picture on the on the on the on the assembly hall. Wow. Um, maybe there, maybe they maybe maybe there was a connection there. I don't know, but just weird. Like, never thought that was a kid in that sense. Like how, you know, time time and space connects us. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what research is. We are looking at. Um, you know, previous research in that space of time, what it tells us about in today's time, today's world. Mm-hmm. So I think connecting um, with our past and our journey, it's all con- it's all interconnected in that sense. And it was just, that was a visual representation. That's why I would recommend um, definitely be in touch with your old school. Just let them know the progress because they're always looking out for um examples of people who've, who've progressed and gone in this direction because it's um it's the highest form of education i think we forget about that sometimes don't we because we're mm. surrounded by people who yeah. do and when you work in a research group you know everyone either is starting their phd already has one and it actually does i forget all the time that is still quite a special thing because it just feels so normal yeah, we can feel a bit like alienated, isn't it? We feel a bit like um, it's nothing special, it's nothing new, it's nothing exciting. Like you know, it's just another day. You know, um, having our tea and you know, having your coffee over there. Um, it's it's just an everyday thing. But actually, in terms of advancing human knowledge, it's um, it's something that shouldn't go unnoticed because um, I, I think what we have in the world to right now, we've we have survived. Mm-hmm. because of 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 human thinking like that about uh, looking into things that um help us you know whether it's health whether it's um education mm-hmm. whether it's economy it's basically it's all part of our ecosystem and i think if we don't recognize or even acknowledge um it's it's one it's, it's like a, a a disservice uh i was starting to notice that now in that sense the reason why you have technology and we can do this and why people have mobile phones and they're using it on their social media to do all their stuff, right? And they're using driving cars, right, for example, <laughs> has come about because man or woman or mankind, womankind, um, has asked the questions, has asked and looked into those questions and gone to those lengths, you know, like uh, we are doing. So I think there's an appreciation that needs to be observed in that sense. I talk out of like, and I think going back to school, just basically letting them know. And that's how I'm seeing it anyway. That's how when I go back to school, um, that's why I, I talk to them about. Don't talk to them about the PhD, PhD. I just talk about what it means to learn something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even because I, I guess like everyone always feels like their contribution is very small. But that's what it is, right? So that small puzzle piece might then come together with, I don't know, a hundred other ones. And then it's something amazing and great. We're just at a stage at science now where not everything you find is maybe groundbreaking because there's already so much evidence, but it doesn't make it any less important, I guess. But I think we all just sometimes need a gentle reminder uh, that, that that is actually the case because you just forget and you just get so absorbed in the stuff that you do and become so like normal and trivial 
and then you end up kind of turning back and like wait wait a second that's actually pretty cool what I'm doing but you just need those moments I think every once in a while to just get motivation and everything yeah I, I think that's one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast I, I, I I'm not just in PhDs but in terms of like people who are doing something like you know um who are trying to help people want to help society as a as a, as a whole mm-hmm. um I think that you know that's why I put, I put this podcast on why we do what we do like what's driving us what's motivating us so that's the question I want to ask you like what's driving you why why I know you said about like you know um your your personal reasons around mm-hmm. the PhD reasons like okay this is this is why I'm doing what I'm doing but what's driving you, I suppose? What's keeping you motivated? I think so at the beginning, it was obviously quite selfish. Just I, I want my PhD to progress uh, into future careers. But now, really, it is kind of knowing the IBDs, the Fulmont Bowel Disease community, a bit more and mm-hmm. really engaging um, with the people. And also, just when, when you speak to people that have the condition or to the family members or whatever, it just really shows you that you can make a big difference. For, for those people so it's quite like a, a visual in front of you you know what what they suffer from you know what it does to their life and how it kind of decreases their quality of life and what I do has potential to help them and I think that is that is the main motivation in the end of the day and I don't know for example if we would do a different kind of project where I would not have this kind of closeness to patients if that'd mm. be different but I guess in the end of the day that's always your motivation you just want to help um and you want well I, I quite like the stuff that I do then straight away translates into something that we could be used in on a human if that makes sense um I think that is that is amazing to see really uh, yeah because I think it's so, it's so important because we we go through changes mm-hmm. and sometimes things are out of our control and we can become really really vulnerable whether it's genetics whether it's environmental our bodies and our minds can be compromised Mm-hmm. you know we can be predisposed to stuff so we need we need a, a system an environment which is responsive to that in that sense mm-hmm. so we, we i always say to people yeah it's good that some people are looking into it like okay i don't know too much about um you know stomach stuff right but i've had problems yeah stomach ache whatever mm-hmm. um I'm glad there's some people out there who are looking into those kind of things, you know, Jermaine, because, you know, <laughs> and it's, yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. I just, I just thought about actually another thing that you just said there. That is one thing I do really like to do. And I think that gives, it's very rewarding is to do public engagement because we kind of do see with certain things like anti-vaccine movements, et cetera, kind of maybe like the main example at the moment is that in the past, maybe, scientists or in general our education system have not been the best with to kind of causing that link between science and society and actually I think it's so important because that's the people we do the science for is the society and if if we do the science for them but we don't we, we're not able to communicate to them what we do and why we do it and how we do it and then yeah we might as well not do it because it's not going to be accepted or, or very helpful you know so um that's one of the most rewarding things actually thinking about in my PhD is to public engagement in, in any form if it's writing articles or speaking to people or doing workshops there's so much you can actually do if you have a little look um, and I think that's a really nice reminder sometimes as well it's actually really cool what I do and then you look at the people and you ex- explain to them they're like oh my god that's amazing you're like oh actually yeah it is so that's really really nice and also you kind of give something back in a way 
Which is what I want to talk to you about. You know, I mentioned earlier. I think you're hundred percent right about the engagement. Engagement, engagement only comes with human interaction or interaction, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're saying I need to. We need to communicate with the people. I, I, I agree with you, right? But I think this is what I mean about our own personalities. The environment has an impact on us, meaning our social circles, and we have an impact on them. So it's like con- a continuous variable, right? Um, there's a psychology coming out in that sense. <laughs> Apologies. <laughs> um, but I think I think that the the yeah, I want to ask basically how how has that been on you, like as a person at you know the whole experience of the PhD in terms of your your personality or your character, I should say, um, has, has an impact, and also your social relationships. Um, how that the whole PhD journey has an impact on on you and the people around you. Mm-hmm. So I think personally, I definitely we we spoke um, before. Um, I definitely think it really affects your confidence sometimes in a bad way because something goes wrong or you mess up and then you kind of have to deal with the fact that you messed up and then you need to push through it and still be like I'm still a great person but I just sometimes I suck what well, just shit happens um, and on the other hand you I do realize that things I would have been scared to do mm-hmm. for me mini lab stuff so when you have a big experiment and it's really expensive and you just can't mess it up that's sounds silly but it's so much pressure and it's just like simple things it's just putting maybe one the right things in the right tubes I don't know how many times which shouldn't be a problem but just because you're under so much pressure it is the scariest thing in the world in that right moment so there's a lot of room for anxiety even if you if you don't have I don't know what's called like chronic anxiety or whatever it's just like the anxious Mm. feeling um, is something because you keep on getting put into new situations out of your own comfort zone and yeah so that is definitely something I learned to manage a lot more and also sounds a bit stupid but just what what do I actually want to feel anxious about I can't feel anxious about everything like that's just not don't have energy for that you know what what is the priority here what do I need to be a bit more alert about and actually need to kind of sit down and chip away for myself to make it manageable and what is just like random stuff that is honestly not that important um and if it goes wrong it goes wrong I think that's actually the main thing I really accepted it now things can go wrong and that's fine (laughs) I don't need to stress about it um, and I have a very good supervisor who's very relaxed and that really helps because I know I'm I'm giving myself the pressure nobody else does and that's for me that was a very important realization um, in terms of interactions I didn't notice but I don't know if that is just coming from working full-time maybe because before apart from mm. studying maybe having a part-time job I never really had to do that so my interaction capacity has reduced um, but I feel like I've gained more than I lost, to be honest. So I've been quite lucky within my research groups and kind of other PhD students in my institute or arts at my institute. Um, I just really am very lucky that I've, from the beginning, had a good network. So, and that kind of stayed. So, and because we're all in the same boat, I guess it's okay if you don't be in touch or if you're not in touch for, for a little while, it's cool. Um, so yeah, I don't, I think it more strengthened interactions but especially interactions that are kind of surrounding my PhD, I have to say. So outside my PhD world, there's actually, yeah, most of my friends I would say that are in Glasgow, for example, at the moment are doing PhDs. But I guess that's because I moved to Glasgow in an academic environment. Maybe that's the difference, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think you're right. I think, you, you know, I, I, um, like you, um, I've gained more than I've lost, definitely. 
and have a very good strong number to start off with in that sense and you're right i like the, what you said about the deeper connections like i feel like i've got more deeper connections with, with people now mm -hmm. um even with that, with that network and then you said about the academics um, yeah it's just but like basically if you know if you're going to become i don't use the i lose the football analogy here but yeah if you're going to hang about with footballers and you're training to be a footballer you're going your friends are going to be like footballers isn't it yeah. and, and musicians and fashion people and whatever other industry that people go into naturally your environment um your social environment is going to become your because you share similar interests in that sense isn't it um and i think yeah moving in that direction um we it has an impact on our character on our personality and for us to communicate like i say research we have to be people right yeah yeah people and also yeah yeah we have to i think then also kind of force ourselves out of that circle a little bit sometimes mm. maybe to carry it further because it's, it's easy if you speak to other scientists in your field because you don't really have to think about them and you know what you do and understand what you do whereas if you then kind of move out of the circle and out of the area it's maybe a bit more tricky although i have to say if i'm out of work and out of my phd i don't discuss my phd that much so that's my when i work time and i really try to for example i try not to work weekends so last month i had to which is rubbish but it's fine i can deal with it i have holidays soon but I really try to separate my social life, even though I'm surrounded by PhD students, it's a bit ironic, but I really try to separate them to just get a break because it's just so easy. It's, it's your baby, it's your project. If you could, you would spend 24 seven on it, but it's just not feasible and you, I need time to breathe sometimes. Um, and that is outside of work, definitely. Yeah, I, I, know, I know what you mean. I think, um... We we and, and I think we need we need that break not just for like rest and you know recuperate but we need it takes time for ideas to ideas or problem solve it takes time to like think about them like you can't and you can't think about it in that space like sometimes my supervisor I realized that's one thing I've learned about him when we're doing a complex piece of analysis he would say to me you know we need to go away in a dark room and think about that <laughs> i don't know what he, what he meant by that but no, over the years i realized what he meant and then another thing he said he said you know I'll, I'll, he goes he'll think about that when he goes out a walk with the with his dogs he has dogs i go really you, you, you do things like that and i realized actually and he's in his you know he's, he's very experienced um and i realized okay it's okay to be like that it's okay to give yourself a break it's okay because the answer won't come to you straight away it's okay you know, it's normal. And I, I learned all these little techniques, like behaviors, not to come up with answers straight away. Don't feel under pressure. Take, sometimes it takes days and weeks and months to come up, you know, because you need to sit in. Um, so what's your plans then in the next, um, next, uh, next, next 12 months on your PhD? Ooh, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like a supervision, isn't it? ไม่ได้ก็เลยรีวิวด้วยนะครับไม่ได้ก็เลยรีวิวด้วยนะครับไม่ได้ก็เลยรีวิวด้วยนะครับไม่ได้ก็เลยรีวิวด้วยนะคร
And those are kind of on patient procedures and they're quite risky, especially with COVID. So yeah. that direction just depends a little bit. I'm not entirely sure, but it's just basically finishing up um, loose ends because I'm actually had this realization about a month ago. It shouldn't have been such a shock, but I was kind of sitting there and suddenly I was like, oh my God, I'm in third year. I have like a year and a bit and then I need to write. So that really sort of clicked in my head um, and I had a little panic moment. And then I sat down and I was like, well, actually, my project hasn't changed in, in, in those last 10 minutes when I panicked. So why am I panicking now? I didn't panic before. Um, so it's just kind of looking at what I've done, reflecting a little bit, definitely at the beginning of the year and trying to yeah just tie up loose ends and getting um, the end bits and bobs of my thesis done, really. Um, yeah, that's kind of the main plan for next year, which is actually sounds like no plan, but in my head, it makes sense. <laughs> And that for your quarterly supervision, wherever you have an annual review or whatever, what yeah, you've been exactly. up to, <laughs> and then compare it, isn't it? Um, no, I mean, you know, th thanks so much for sharing your journey and your work. Um, it'd be worth, um, I think, an interesting to do a, a different uh, discussion more more in detail at a later point and to see a, to see a progress. Uh, wish you well. Um, but before you go, um, you know, so thank you for taking part in this podcast. Uh, I'm going to hand over the mic to you to leave some words of like whatever's on your mind around to share with the others around motivation or inspiration, something you want to share. Once you stop talking, I'll stop recording. Okay, no pressure. <laughs> um, I think the most important kind of advice I would give to anyone who's maybe just starting or sometimes when you're struggling, I think it's just so important to remember that what we do is not easy and it's very difficult. And it is normal to struggle for all of us. Everyone does every once in a while, like imposter syndrome is definitely real. And I've gotten it at any stage of my PhD so far. But I think it's important to remember that the good days outweigh the bad days. And yeah, just give yourself like a little pat on the shoulder for whatever you've achieved already and whatever you've kind of given back to society so far, because it's very special and amazing what you do. Available on all podcast platforms. This is the Psychology Cast, the podcast that interviews unique individuals on why they do what they do.